Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Jared Brandon, Brandon Wound Pickups. Zach Oswald, Brandon Wound Pickups. Hey, it's me, Todd Novak. Uh, we are minus our very good friend, Tony Dudzik tonight. Where is he? he? We're very sad that he's not here, but he had a very important engagement that he had to attend, or he would have been in a doghouse for a really long time. Oh, Let's just yeah. say that. Uh, Jared, what do we do on the show? We focus uh, mainly on smaller builders, and uh, we do 101s that are uh, packed full of information that, like that's educational helpful. educational series. Oh, yeah. We love those. And we talked about pretty much anybody that that uh, has a lot to do with guitars and ephemera. Yes, and ephemera and pedals and amps and all that stuff. And we have somebody just like that on the line. Go ahead. Who's on the line? Mike Adams is on the line. A.K.A. Yep. Uh, A.K.A. the sound of a sh- uh, cartoon sword being unsheathed. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah that was a, that's a dumb name that i had to come up with in college when we went over to a friend's house to play playstation uh-huh. i needed a login and that was the only thing i could think of and it has stuck and now i think it's too late to change it now. yeah it's way <laughs> so. too you're, you're never escaping that moniker in fact when i uh so just a, a brief recap we'll get into all kinds of good stuff a little bit later but i uh met up with him on accident while waiting, we were waiting for our um, our good friend of the pod, Jeff Schroeder from Smash Pumpkins. He was getting ready to do a demo at NAMM. And uh, I'm standing next to this guy. I'm like, holy crap, that's Pusheen. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know his real name. <laughs> so Nobody said, does. Uh, Excuse me, Pusheen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we got to talking. And we had a we had a really great conversation. So a really good conversation. Yeah. Markedly, I mean, yeah. I had a lot of conversations at Nam. Yours was, I mean, top five. Wow, thank you. That's oh, quite yeah. a compliment. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. I'm not um, just yanking your chain. I thought we agreed to say top three, but that's okay. <laughs> that wasn't in the script. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, we got to talk in now. It did throw me off a little bit because you didn't have your trademark beard that you had for so long. Uh, it was no, shorter. It was so shorter. Sick of, so sick of upkeep. Yes. Uh, I, I don't have time to brush anymore now. I'm yeah. not about that life. I've moved on. Mike is famous for three things, maybe four, maybe four things. At least, at least. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what to these us. things are. Mike is famous for Mike and Mike's Guitar Bar out on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. He, he is internet famous for his red orange beard. He's famous for his guitar named Pancake. Yeah. <laughs> and also famous for basically calling a colossal amount of attention to offset guitars. I don't think that can be stated big enough, to be honest. Oh, thank you. Because you came on and then all of a sudden, like after a while, I was like, dude, what's with all these offset guitars? And they're all pointing at this guy. <clears throat> yeah. So it was really neat. Thanks for driving up the prices. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you're so, <laughs> very welcome for that. That, that was my intention all along. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we'll get into your full story in just a little sure. bit. We're going to cover off on a few things. We got some announcements, everybody, peoples. Uh, <laughs> so I just wanted to share some, uh, a, a fellow with the moniker skinny mustache, uh, named Nick Janner shot me an email and I uh, said, I just found about you guys and I am absolutely hooked. I actually look forward to driving around just so you can, so I can listen to y'all. That was very nice. Uh, he likes the four on the floor. 
Uh, but he, the most important thing about this email, what aside from, it's great to get kudos. Can I say kudos? Ugh. It's great to have people say nice things. Is kudos out of style now? It's just kind of gross. I don't know why, but it, whatever. I think of a big granola bar. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Anyways, yeah, he threw granola bars at us. Let's just say that. Sweet. Um, he he brought something up that I was like, oh, this is really intriguing. He said, maybe you've already done an episode with this theme, but I was thinking of an episode highlighting the rigs of the guitar gods and how simplistic they were back then and how far we've come, a la Hendrix, Clapton Page, Beck, um, Jeff Beck, I'm assuming he's referencing, uh, S, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, King Collins, etc., Almost kind of a devil's advocate d- advocate discussing the modest setups of these guys and where guitar playing is these di- these days and how many variables there are. You know, like gear, tons and tons of pedals, tons and tons of, you know, everything. I think that's a really good idea. That is kind of neat. <clears throat> if he meant the uh, younger Beck, he would have had two turntables and a microphone. <laughs> oh, Jared. Jared got one in on me. Where it's at. Yes. Uh, so anyways, that was really cool. So uh, thank you to Nick Jenner for sending that. Uh, I also want to call out, we have a uh, new patron uh, named Doug Kurgely, and he shared his for On the Floor with us. Welcome, Doug. Yes, welcome. welcome. So I'm going to read that real quick. Doug's for On the Floor are... Matthew's effects cartographer. Nice. Yes, very nice pedal. We got to say hello to uh, Mr. Matthews over at the NAMM show, which was really cool. Uh, and the MXR carbon copy, a favorite of Four on the Floor. We also have the Retro Sonic Chorus, which I've never heard of. I haven't heard have of that either. Heard of that? Uh, no. Who I, makes it? Is that the brand, Retro Sonic? Retro Sonic makes it, huh. yeah. Interesting. Is that the one that's in GarageBand? I don't know. I'm not no, familiar that's with the heavenly that. chorus. That's what I'm thinking. Yes. Well, you, we've got some homework right then. And <laughs> the Keeley Compressor Plus. Mm, uh, thank you, Mr. Keeley, for the Compressor Plus. So anyways, that's really cool. So uh, we're going to get to him at the end, but he's a new patron, and we're, we're really glad to have him, and, and uh, thank you for your support, Doug. All right. That's what I got for uh, announcements. So, guys, we had a righteous week at NAMM. But first, let's talk about what we've been doing since we got back from NAMM. Let's do it. All right. Uh, let's start with... Um, let's start with Zach. Well, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to NAMM. But, uh, well, I got a new project that might be coming up here pretty soon. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's not totally official yet, but it's a little, like, body and neck sort of got to put it together project. And... It's another old Gibson. You know, guys, I'm a big fan of those. Uh, it's a 1957 Gibson ES-175. Mm-hmm. Ooh, nice. And, you know, the, the PAFs and all that stuff are gone. It's just, it was refinished at one point, but could be a really cool, like, player-grade guitar once I'm done with it. Right on. I've seen the finish, too, and it's really old. It's definitely mm-hmm. lacquer. It's, it's not poly, which is a good thing. Yeah, I'm wondering if it was an old Gibson refinish just by the way that it looks, but... Uh, well, uh, I'll be able to know more once I get it. Excellent. Uh, and for those uh, who are just getting onto our show and haven't heard Zach, on, he's been on a couple times. Yeah, um, been on a few he'll times. probably make it on a few more times in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's got a nice little uh, Facebook and YouTube channel. He does a lot of mm-hmm. videos about old guitars and stuff. 
You will know them because they have the most vivid green. Um, <laughs> he he has painted his whole room like that's the, what the he's green man, for, man color. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Got so the green the background. That would make me insane. That's just shtick. Yeah, I had it for a long time, and I've even had people say, well, "Don't ever change your wall color." Like, right. All right. Well, yeah. kind of stuck with it now. Yeah. yeah. Your eyes are going to be screwy by the time <laughs> you're 16. Um. Anyway, no, he's older than that. I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, let's hear from Mike. Uh, I did this thing this year at NAM where I, um, what's it called? Where you get someone's business card and then you actually follow up with them. That's a new thing for me. Oh yeah. So I've been, I've been <laughs> sending, uh, emails. I've been, uh, sending little notes and saying, Hey, great to meet you. Um, uh, w- which I certainly mean the way I'm saying it now sounds sarcastic and like I'm <laughs> an ass. What a disingenuine Also person. true. What a jerk. Um, no, but I've been, I've been really trying to follow up with people and, uh, and also uh, offer my real thoughts on the stuff that I saw. I saw so many great things at NAMM this year that I wanted to make sure that I, I, I didn't let that go without saying that I was telling uh, people like Jennings. Uh, I, I just met Chad for the first time, played his guitar, um, and ha- had to come home and email him and say like, hey, that was really great. I'm really happy with what I played. You should know that you you did great. Yeah. Um, and what a mustache so, on that man. Oh my god, his facial hair game is through the roof. <laughs> um, yeah, and what man, what else? Oh, do you want to know do you want to know something I just did? Yes. Uh, while I was waiting for you to text me about getting on the podcast, uh, I don't know if you have a theme song, but I I wrote something. Oh or, my! Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Do you want to hear it real I'm quick? Excited. Is this cool? This is out of left he- field. Uh, I'm a big uh, Randy Newman fan, so I think oh I think yeah, man, Randy good. Newman brings me to my knees, this tears in my good. eyes with Randy. <clears throat> Key of E. Well, I don't know too much about how the guitar came to be. If I think about what I can say, I know it means a lot to me. <laughs> it gives me strength when I feel small, gets me through thick and thin. So we'll talk about the love of craft on the Guitar Knobs podcast again. <laughs> that, was well, that was that was awesome. One minute. That's, one minute. That's brilliant. I did that in one minute. That's that was amazing. fantastic. Amazing. <laughs> and, and a heck of a Randy Newman too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's that very okay. It's not my best. <laughs> I've had a bit of a cold since uh, Nam, so it's not my best. Like it's it's <laughs> it's a Family Guy version of Randy Newman. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, but uh, so it's not exact. Cool whip, cool whip, cool whip. Yeah, this down, guy man. over here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. That, that's fantastic. Thank you. That's awesome. really fun. <laughs> that's, that's one of the coolest things that happened so far. Yeah, yeah that's kind of neat. Feel honored. Podcast that's history. Sick. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Let's uh, wrap it up and go home. All um, right. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. I I really really appreciate you sharing that with us. Okay, well, now I got... How are you going to follow that up, Jared? <laughs> I'm not, but I'm just going to tell you anyway. So, um, been working on two different Jazzmaster guitars. and Yeah, uh, just, tell just, me about that. That's fitting. Custom made, um, not original ones, but... Uh, uh, so, I, it, both of them do have the block and lay next. Kind of a 1966 vibe going mm. on. One of mm. them is a uh, Pell... Um, Lake Placid. Lake Placid Blue, thanks. Yeah. 
Oh, and, uh, don't want to make that mistake. <laughs> right. Flipping the Gibson and Fenders. <laughs> yeah, no. People will be outraged. And that's, that's correct. Um, and then the other one I went really custom me. I did a purple sparkle. Just because oh, I like yeah. purple. And I tell you what, uh, it was G.E. Smith that was on Saturday, you know, at Saturday Night Live about 30 years ago. And uh, he had one. A purple sparkle jazz master. It like, could have been a, a Jaguar. I don't know. But it was that offset. But anyway, um, those two products, I finally uh, got around to ordering the hardware. And uh, actually, uh, I stayed away from the mastery. I just didn't want to put the money into these things, man. I mean, it would have been like 800, 900 bucks just for the bridges and, and trims, man, for mastery. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. It's worth it, right? Great stuff. But I just went with the American vintage Fender stuff oh yeah that, that vibrato is great yeah so yeah uh, right 70 on, bucks man. good and piece I, yeah Love and it. i i got the uh also got the fender usa bridges the uh one with jaguar nice. bridges i think they work a little better mm-hmm. that's what tony told me to do anyway tony right on <laughs> we got that's sitting right over there or not no just kidding that's yep. tony baloney <laughs> yeah so yeah that's what uh that was pretty exciting for me because it was uh it's long-winded. But anyway, Todd, what have you done since NAMPS? I'm you got back, man. Oh, thanks uh, for that. So I just came home and just straight away I plugged in because I hadn't played for like six days. I felt like we have a little show coming up and I just wanted to get loose again. And fortunately, I had just got my uh, jazz smasher. I got to figure out a name for that. Hey, anybody want to name that guitar? Jaws Boss. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Vinny. Master. It's actually called Vinny. But. Oh, yeah. That's my dog's name. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, is he black oh. and gold too? No, 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 no. no. He's a uh, white and brindle yeah. little beagle pit bull mix. Yeah. Well, mine's called Vinny, uh, but I just can't decide how to address it. It's a, it's a, you know, it's like a jazz caster, but I don't want to say jazz caster for some reason. My brain won't. Enter. But anyways, <laughs> n- nonetheless. I had a delight, delightfully large wide range pickup in the neck position because that's just what I decided I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Even though Jared was like, man, don't do that. And I was like, no, I want your wide range because his wide range pickups are really, really amazing. They're vintage wound. I and, support that. <clears throat> yeah, they're big outstanding. And, big and loud. <laughs> but it was, it, it just sounded like a big, just a big thing. Well, it's it's very if you have a Telecaster bridge, just a regular single coil, yep. and then you have that wide range. It's kind of a weird design. If it's it, it's know, just too big. It's and not for everybody. And, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, kind it's, of unbalanced. It's a lot of a low end when yeah. you flip that neck on. Yeah. So I don't blame you. So I uh, anyway, what what'd you do instead? Well, uh, what I did was we we put a little um, mini humbucker in there. Which is really cool uh, from these uh, from this company uh, Screen Top, right? And uh, I dig it. It sounds amazing. It looks really cool, and it's a really good complement to the bridge. Yep, I dig it. Yeah, the look is really neat with the Screen Top. Yeah, very much, very much so. So, anyways, uh, it's not a foil. Under there's a little gold piece of paper, reflective. And then it's got this real super fine screen that's yeah, over that. It looks nice. And it gives it a kind really a little bit. like really cool hue. There's a, a I got shimmer. a couple of photos on, on Instagram yeah. that uh, everybody can check out if they want to see that. Yeah. 
Uh, so anyways, that's what I've been up to. Uh, now, nice. continuing this a little bit, we decided not to do a full-on Nam retro show because, uh, you know, I have lots of reasons why. But we do want to touch on a few things about it, but we didn't want to do, like, the whole show about Nam. Right. With Mike having been there and Jared having been there, uh, mm-hmm. Zach, you get to play the guy who wasn't there, which <laughs> wasn't a lot there. of people weren't. And I think it's worth dispelling a myth. Mike and I were talking about this earlier, that it's not like some ultra VIP, like velvet rope thing where you walk in and they shove a cigar and give you a bowl of caviar or something right. like that. Oh yeah. Not at all. And it's not an over insiders club. It, it's just, it's a show and, there are builders there, and you know there's some there's some celebrity value to some of these builders. You got to take your walking shoes with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yes. It, it's it's four days of. Non-stop. We probably walked twenty miles. Yeah. Four yeah. Days. At least. It's I've certainly felt it when I got back. Yeah. I'm a big fella. <laughs> yes. So well, I just thought we'd uh, just kind of give our own little perspectives on that. Couple highlights. Um, Jared, do you have like maybe a highlight or two you well, want to n- share? Number one, being with you and Tony Baloney out there was just fabulous. I just hanging out with my two buddies, great time. That Thank was you. that was probably the most fun I had, you know, th- out of everything that we did. Yeah. Just being with you guys. And when I go to Nam, since I'm a small business and I I do pickups, I do a lot of sourcing, and that's where I I go to a bunch of different. Uh, parts, you know, companies, and I wheel and deal and negotiate and and just you know try to find more or better sourcing than what I have now as far as parts and just trying to make my my own product better. And that's that's not really, I mean, that's kind of why Nam is there. But uh, another that's originally thing wanted, what it was kind of for. Too, yeah, I mean. yeah. I mean, and I definitely took advantage of that and but as far as what i really liked uh that i saw was a couple of things the gibson booth i know it's a big popular thing but because gibson changed ownership um i really liked the direction that they went this year i I, you know it's not perfect but it's way better than it has been and i was very happy to see what they had going on it was very interactive they had different um stations they had a guy working on a guitar like fretboard they had a winder guy there kind of giving a little winding education that was fun to act like i didn't know what he was talking about and uh (laughs) yeah and then uh a couple more stations and you would get your card punched and uh at a chance to maybe win a free guitar if you went to the stations but it it was just great It, it was it was great to see that and uh also fender had the uh, Jimmy Page uh, signature Telecasters. Those were really cool, too. I mean, I'll never buy one of those or pay for one of those, but it was just really cool to see in person. So Mm -hmm. I think those those were two of the big highlights because I I love Led Zeppelin all my life, and I love Gibson all my life, so naturally I I enjoyed those. But uh, just a trip overall with my friends and seeing other friends there, and especially... Especially having uh, guitar knob fans introduce themselves, that was a real treat too. So it was great to see our our uh, listeners out there at the Nam show, and uh, that's pretty much my take. Excellent. 
That was a nice mm-hmm. little nice little wrap up. Yeah. What anything in particular like just surprised the heck out of you? <clears throat> um that surprised me? Eh. Not really surprised, but uh oh, I will mention that I I I met um the fellow who invented the Mellotron. His name Ooh, is Oh, nice. Yeah, his name escapes my head right now, but he's the older fella. Um but uh it was an it was great meeting him and having my picture with him because wow. uh, he he's a little older so you don't know how long he's going to be around. He said Led Zeppelin used to rent those Mellotrons from people that <laughs> owned them when they went on tour. I'm sure he's got some crazy stories. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, that that kind of took me by surprise. I didn't expect to see him there. So that was a that was a, a pretty good highlight. Rad, man. Oh, yeah. Dig it. Uh, Mike, how about you? Yeah, so so the best thing uh, in my book about Nam is getting to see people, getting to meet friends or new friends and people you haven't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I look forward to hanging out with Nick Greer every year. Um, He's a good uh, man. Ben and Louise like from Dwarfcraft are big in my book. They're they're great pedal makers, but they're people I genuinely enjoy talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, same goes with to uh, you know Blake and Justin from Tone Mob. Seeing Leon from uh, Pelican Noiseworks is always a treat. The Pelotar is a pedal that I just kind of call upon in the studio all the time. Uh, you know, but other than that, other than seeing, you know, a bunch of great people and, and I've met some really nice, kind folk who were good enough to tell me that I'd helped them in the past, you know, answering guitar questions and things like that. Um, that it's really special every year. Um, but I, I really just go to Nam to, to see people and then to see what, what kind of strikes me, what, what, what's new and what's fun and what it doesn't seem overly cynical, I think the guitar industry can very easily kind of uh, like an Ouroboros just kind of like eat its own tail. <laughs> you're, you're constantly chasing the same guitar players, the same sounds, the same classic rock stuff. Uh, and so I like to see innovation. I like to see some new things, new takes on old designs. I like to see new uh, horrendously uh, weird pedals that may border on unusable, but it's good to have options. Um, that kind of stuff. Um, and I also, you know, the first thing I do when I get on Thursday is I go to see Fender and Gibson when they're there, uh, just to, you know, usually because they have stuff I like, but also to get them out of the way because I want to leave as much time as I possibly can for small builders. But this year, uh, I will, I will echo uh, prior sentiment. Gibson honestly blew my mind. I, <laughs> I was not expecting the showing that they brought this year. Um, having, having repaired so many of them, having had to replace robot tuners over the years, um, (laughs) I, I, I didn't know what I expected. Uh, and especially since they were, they weren't here last year. Um, I, I just thought I'd go in, have a look around, see if I knew anybody and, you know, move on. But I think I spent like a good 30% of my NAM experience at the Gibson booth, marveling, playing, um, I, I was so impressed, honestly. Uh, that leadership change, I wasn't sure how much of an effect it would have, but uh, every employee at that booth that I spoke with uh, likened the change to having their their hands untied, that they were finally able to 
make guitars that they really love, uh, that they can focus more. Uh, they're not having needless innovation crammed down their throats all the time. Uh, it, it honestly, it felt like a return to form. And having grown up on Gibsons, I know I'm associated with the Jazzmaster, but I played Gibsons uh, from the time I started, which was like 1992, all the way up until 2010. I was Gibson only uh, and fell out of love with them because of quality issues and because of, you know, just all that, all that old stuff, all the old complaints I don't need to bring up. Hmm. Uh, but this year, yeah, 2019. I'm I, right there with you, man. Yeah, that, yeah. that new custom shop stuff just looks incredible. Really looks like what incredible. they're doing with that. Even the, uh, well, I had a uh, Brandon from the Montana plant, uh, was kind enough to show me around the acoustic guitars, which I don't normally pay attention to. Like acoustics are fine, but I don't have as much fun on them for whatever reason. But he showed me the G45, which is their base, base model acoustic still made in America, but it is like what? $999 super cheap for a, an American made Gibson. Uh, and I picked it up expecting, you know, decent to soft, okay sounding uh, guitar, but it sounded great. Is that that new uh, sustainable woods thing? Or? No, those are those are a different series, but those oh, okay. are also really good. They're more expensive. They're like twenty four. Oh, okay, but the hummingbird. Oh my gosh, what a guitar! I've never heard uh, a sustainable instrument that felt like it was as nice quality. Not because of the wood, but it always seems like they spend less time on them. Or right, I, I don't. I don't know what it is. Maybe the flat finishes have a. Uh, an effect in my brain that makes me think uh, low quality something. I don't know. Uh, but not not so. The Sustainable Wood series was great. I popped a capo on uh, the second fret and played Wonderwall for 20 minutes and no one <laughs> made me feel out of place, oh, man, uh, which I, I appreciated. Me, I me, Oasis. <laughs> no, me too. Me too. That's what I want to see is Oasis-themed guitars. I want to see a Union Jack. Okay, we need phone. to talk a lot more. <laughs> you just, but, yeah, you just honestly, struck a nerve with me, man. Like oh, it. we got it. We got it. We can get on this. Oh, supersonic all day long. I think supersonic was the one thing I played at every single booth that I went to <laughs> because I notoriously can never think of what to play at booths or guitar shops or in general. <laughs> I'm really bad at that. Um, but yeah, Gibson blew my mind. Absolutely. hundred uh, percent. I am going to sell a bunch of stuff this year to buy a Trini Lopez reissue. I right don't on. want the vintage one anymore. Oh, they brought uh, the back one they the had in that Lopez? booth was that good. Wow, I didn't realize they brought that back. That's interesting. Yep. They they brought it back and they've had a reissue available for a while now, but it was never exact. Like it had an extremely large 50s neck. Right. No binding on the F holes, the wrong ear shape. All these things that like a geek like me would care about, but a regular consumer would just go, "Oh, cool guitar." Right. Uh, but stuff that I was really passionate about and which is why I was focusing on getting a 66 or 67, but now I I don't see the point. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever said you, that. I think you'll like the neck on the new one anyway. Mm. Oh yeah, I I mean I I played that one. That's why I spent so much time up in the Gibson booth was I was mm. playing that one so much. Um that super tiny 60s neck. Oh. My oh. my dad took an original tour in the Kalamazoo factory back in the 70s nice. and I'm kind of glad I I haven't gone to Nashville to do the tour yet, but now I'm really looking forward to it because because of the changes that I see. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, indeed. Oh, also, the uh, I heard stories about the CEO, the new guy. I don't remember his name, but he's from Levi's, the, right. the yeah. denim mm-hmm. company. 
And he was going around <laughs> the booth telling people that he liked their jacket or, hey, nice pants. And, and that's, that's endearing to me. Does, it, does he actually kind of look like Nicolas Cage? I've heard rumors of that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, well, he looked like Nicolas Cage in Face Off. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh. I don't know what that Oh, zing. Yes. Uh, well, all right. That sounds... Fantastic, man. I'm glad that you had a good time and uh, awful, obviously, awfully glad that we got to connect and have a great conversation. Totally impromptu, random surprise thing. Well, what about you, buddy? Oh, man. Okay, so, you know, right off the bat, like me and Tony and Jared just had such a fantastic time hanging out and, and I thoroughly appreciate their camaraderie and friendship and support. Um, That goes without saying. Uh, for me, the the two big things that I really got out of it. Number one was getting to to meet uh, meet up with guests that I've had on the show. There were so many that we've done this year, this past year that I haven't met in person and was able to hear. and And it was never weird. It was like seeing an old friend. So, got to meet up with. Um, with John Schneider, who drink, sorry, oh, yeah. <laughs> my man, he always um, had a beer on him, didn't he? Yeah, uh, and we had loads of great conversations, and uh, got to meet up with Rhett Scholl, who was recently on, who's got a fantastic YouTube channel. If you haven't seen that, check out check out his YouTube channel, and for sure, listen to the episode. Uh, got to meet up with um, one of my total favorites, Robert Keeley. Um, you know, guys, he gave us he's a, a, hug, he's a man. prince of a guy. Yeah. He gave Big us giant hug. hugs. And he, he's obviously been on, on the, the show in the past and he's kind of, you know, he's kind of a giant in the pedal world. And every single person that we ran into was like, did you meet Robert? And like, yeah, we got, we had to. and nobody had a single bad thing to say about that guy, which I don't know why they would anyways, but that was just nice. Um, I also, Got to uh, spend some time with Philippe Pampuri, uh, owner of Beatronics, who, again, walking around the corner, spots us and just comes up and gives b- big, giant bear hug. It was fantastic. Big bee hugs. A big bee hug, yeah. <laughs> so we got to talk for uh, a really much longer than I anticipated. And he showed us his new pedal, The Swarm, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It is so good. And I tried to offer him money three times for for one of those, but he couldn't because they're not in production yet. But my goodness, I really enjoyed that pedal. And his whole booth was just outstanding. Really incredible. Oh, yeah. Nice. I thought that display uh, was incredible. Uh, the Where he like took his iMac and laid it down and built a box around it so that you could... You manipulate yeah. what's happening on the screen yeah. just by turning the knob of the pedal. Yeah. Blew my mind. It I was uh, it, it was totally <laughs> unexpected. You know, most of the pedal most of the pedal setups. If you go to them, uh, you know they got headphones and you you plug in your guitar and you can kind of twiddle around on the pedal on the pedals and and um, sometimes they actually have dual headphones so the pedal maker can listen to what you're playing which is also like uh i was planning on just playing really crappy and having just me listen to it <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're like okay cool let's see what you do with this and i'm like yeah. <laughs> we're all self-conscious yeah so 
that was a really, that's usually a pretty great experience. But yeah, he set up this pedestal that had a screen uh, and a knob, a big giant knob on the, on the screen was painted like honey was drip had like a big blob of honey had dripped on the screen. And on top of that honey blob was his new swarm pedal. So he gives us the headphones and he's like, all right. And he hits play and that big knob turns up the volume. And then we watch a video of his, um, of the song that he created in multiple parts using this pedal. First of all, the, the presentation is amazing. Second of all, the video is outstanding. Uh, incredible mm-hmm. video. The song is fantastic. So and then trippy. he's got his headphones on and he starts twiddling the dials on the pedal, which is changing the music in the video. It's it's sick. Yeah, it is it's so good. And it, the cool thing about that is when you're just playing and you're twiddling the knobs and stuff, you can get an, an idea of what that sounds like. But when you have the when you can hear a pedal in the context of a song with like drums and bass and other guitars, I, that's a whole other experience altogether. Uh, I mean, he's really set the bar and is an absolute prince of a fella, and he's a new daddy too. So, thanks so much, Philippe, for spending so much time with us. We really appreciate you. Absolutely. Did you know that he made that days before the show? Yes. Isn't that nuts? <sighs> that is. Some people just have scientist. like an extra measure. While he was having a kid. It makes me so mad. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty innovative, dude. Yeah. Um, also One of my favorite to, companies ever. Oh, yeah. For sure. I uh, also got to catch up with Rick Matthews of Matthews Effects and listen to his Whaler Fuzz, which is a knockout. Absolute knockout. One of, my, one of the problems that I have, I love Fuzz. I love Fuzz playing at home. When I get the fuzz into a band scenario i play mostly rhythm stuff so it just kind of turns into mush which is the greatest complaint of fuzz pedals his whaler had like it was almost like there was a clean signal running through it and it my man i don't understand the dynamics and i didn't i didn't make him you know explain everything partially because he was we he was stationed right across from the saldano uh, booth which was basically like just pinch harmonics and gallops <laughs> you know for days and he was already growing tired of it but um uh i just really enjoyed playing that pedal i hope to maybe get my hands on that at some point and uh let's see what else oh some big ones got to meet rick nielsen uh, wow. incredible i'm talking cool. to Rhett show and i see Rhett's eyes get all bulgy and i turn and Rick Nielsen's walking by and I just, we'd give a, Hey, how you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And you know, it's not like I sat down and had a cup of coffee with him, but I got to meet him totally by surprise. He's a guitar. You hero. said something to him. He said something to you. That counts. That's a conversation that counts. That, counts. that is, <laughs> that's going that's in my official. book, baby. That's official. That's brother. official. You talk, you're practically him. best friends at this point. Practically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, <laughs> It completely by happenstance, I was turning a corner and I see this guy and I'm like, no way, that can't be. And it uh, it was Mike Matthews of uh, Electro Harmonics sitting wow. all by himself about to pick up a hamburger and put it in his face. And I said, wait, <laughs> I said, before you before you shove that in your mouth, 
I just need to, <laughs> I just need to interrupt you. And he looked at me and he put the burger down and he listened to me and 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 I just you wow. know, I said thank you so much for inspiring, you know, giving inspiration to so many builders out here today. And, uh, you know, and he was kind enough to take a picture with me and everything. And that was, that was a really neat highlight. I mean, it's like, it, you know, doesn't get much bigger than that in the pedal world. So those things happen. And then like, again, uh, totally, I don't even know how this happened, but we were in a, we were at the intersection of all this pedal stuff going on. And before I knew it, we had, uh, it was the guitar knobs, tone mob, 60 cycle hum, the flipping flippers, and Clifton Worley all sitting in a row. Just, Jeez. I was like, this is crazy. And it was really neat. So, got to meet some new friends, guys from Flippin' Flippers, and uh, Blake. I got to, uh, Blake from Tono, I got to spend a, a, quite a bit of time talking to them, especially. And um, that was just a nice surprise uh, because, you know, we're all, we're all out here sharing the airwaves, so to speak talking about guitar stuff and it, it was just it was a great camaraderie it was kind of like a camaraderie in the midst of camaraderies because we're not the builders now the guys that are set up with the booths you know they have their inside circle conversations um us as as podcasters were you know we're kind of involved but not as much as they are so it was nice to have an inner circle within the circle. <laughs> so, and, and I'd, I'd love to get some of them on to, uh, to, to talk to them on the show as well. So I think we're trying to work some of that stuff out. A podcast exchange program. It sounds yeah. Like. Some, somewhat. Why somewhat. not? Yeah, exactly. Maybe the, the final big one, which no, not the final big one. Second to final big one. We have great supporters on this show. I had the pleasure and honor to meet Corey Nigro in person we so much appreciate his support and, and everyone else's. And it just, it was a treat to see him in person. It is. And uh, so we had a nice chat. And then Oliver Gonzalez coming all the way from like an island off of Africa, a Spanish island off of Africa. <laughs> yep. Crazy. That's cool. He gave me a, uh, a Supro pickup to fix. And then, and uh, if you're listening, buddy, it's done. If you don't have it by now. Yeah. So check that out. Service. Yep. Now, coming out of that, I was thoroughly exhausted. I had met all kinds of people. I'm not, I mean, I could name every single person that we met and all that business, but um, a lot of the people that I haven't mentioned are going to be coming on the show at some point in time in the near future. And that will be very, very exciting. And I will reference that when that happens. But uh, my flight got delayed and I was very worried about getting back. I'm sitting in the airport and I see a very familiar shirt. One of my favorite shirts, the electronic audio experiment uh, shirts. John Schneider is uh, walking down. I'm like, I said, hey, John. And he swings over and, you know, we just start talking. He's like, hey, come over, walk over to get a coffee with me real quick. Um, I got a a meeting and and I couldn't understand what he was saying. We go over to the um, coffee area. Who turns around with coffees? But, uh, Philip Herndon from uh, Caroline Guitar Company comes up and he starts talking with us. And I'm like, wow, I got John Snyder and, and Philippe from Caroline. It's, it's Nam after Nam. Okay. Wow. This is pretty, yeah. I mean, those are pretty heavyweight dudes in the pedal industry. And then up comes walking uh, Joel Court from uh, Chase Bliss. And I was like, this is, somebody's got to pinch me here. Yeah. <laughs> it was, we're just 
I found myself in the midst of uh, of some really, really innovative, inspirational people. It's a and damn hangover. It was fantastic. It was such a nice little surprise for little <laughs> old awesome. me. Just in the middle of an airport. Middle of an airport. There you go. I would have been smiling at me outside my body if I saw me standing there having that conversation, you know, just because I appreciate what they're doing in the, in the guitar community. They're, you know, forward thinkers and I, and that's great. Okay. That's a lot of NAMI stuff, everybody. We got Mike on the line here. Sure and he's do. going to drop one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. One, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. Okay, Mike, a.k.a. Pushing. <laughs> it's got such uh, a sparkle when you say it. I, thank I you. love it. Right. Thank you. Give us your four on the floor, buddy. First of all, I have to start with the Fuzz Factory from Zvex. That pedal uh, was the pedal that got me into pedals. It, I remember seeing it on their old website. They had these demos. I think they still had the same demos. Little clips, little videos in 2006. Uh, with my crappy internet, but I, you know, got it to work and heard this like explosive, chaotic rainbow of sounds. Uh, so I got mine um, about two years later because it took me a while to save up. Uh, but I bought it from an online retailer whose name completely escapes me, um, and waited patiently for my box to arrive in the mail. Got it. I think it was a blemish, so it had one little tiny chip in the paint. On the underside, I think I paid like two seventy nine for it. Um, and when it finally came, it was like Christmas Day all over again. Um, immediately plugged it in and made just the <laughs> most cacophonous noises, like manipulating the stab knob so it, it just constantly oscillated and went like that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, over the ensuing uh, few years, I, I learned how to really, like, tame that pedal and get, like, these weird, big sounds out of it. Um, that that word, tame, tame, is something that tends to go hand-in-hand hand with that pedal. It's basically, like, if you get this pedal, you have to learn how to tame it. Exactly. And I, th- I love that part of the design, honestly. I, so, something that I, I tend to look for in pedals these days is personality. I like pedals that do a thing. Uh, you know, I, I've had enough of transparent boost overdrives. I've had enough of like copying, copying like the best 1960s tones. I want something that, that is just going to blow my mind and be horrible and weird. And most people will hate it. Um, so yeah, the taming the fuzz factory is definitely part of the design. Uh, but you know, you figure out what to do with the gate, uh, knob, you figure out what to do with the, uh, stab. And it becomes like second nature. Uh, I have never felt like the Fuzz Factory was overly bright or thin sounding the way that I, I hear other people talk about it. Um, and and I don't know, maybe I just found something that works. But I love that pedal. Are Can't there, live without uh, it. Oh, I'm sorry. Are there a lot of different uh, gra- different graphics you can get on this, or is there? Just a few, or what's what's up? With oh all yeah, the yeah. Visually, cool graphics. Yeah, you can get whatever you. Well, I don't. I don't know if they do. They do. Well, custom they're, they're originally they're hand painted. Yeah, and mine then, is hand painted. Um, oh, wow. by okay. it's not my rolled. I can't. Well, maybe it is my rolled. Um, but mine, mine is one of the green hand painted ones, uh, and I love that thing so much. Um, but you can you can get uh, sparkly ones. You can get ones with a screaming uh, chimpanzee on it. Um, there was there was this one fuzz factory that I wanted that was pink sparkle with kanji 
uh, all over it. And <laughs> oh, no. I wanted that thing so bad, but I did not have the 400 to drop on a nice right. one. So, you so know, the, uh, along those lines, you, if you haven't already, you really should check out, uh, champion lecky. If you like insane noise and hand painted things. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I've never willing. heard that. What, champion what that? lecky. Uh, he's he's a he's on a, f- a previous podcast actually uh, one of our highest rated I don't know one why because he's a super funny podcasts. guy uh, but yeah he's doing uh, hand hand done pedals hand painted pedals and he's just got a crazy sense of humor and makes some serious noise with those pedals so oh, check love those it. out that, does love it make it. like that fettle boost that I like really well yeah, yeah. yeah. Boost yeah. Is that's great. a great pedal <laughs> great pedal. It's champion Lucky. Lecky, L-E-C-C-Y. Yeah. Lecky is a, a kind of a slangish word for yeah. electricity. Northern Northern England. Oh, I yeah. love that. And if I you're really good that. at something, you're champion. So he's champion Lecky. That's genius. Yeah. I'll check that out right away. Well, yeah. not right away. Super good guy. Done. Super good guy. <laughs> uh, all right. What's next? So next up on my four on the floor uh, is almost always going to be the small sound, big sound, and I'll spell it out for sensitive listeners. F-U-C-K. Mm. Not going to say what that word is. Mm. Not going to Maybe it's an it acronym. Again. Could be. Could be. Could be. Mm. Uh, I never bothered to ask. So the small sound, big sound pedal uh, is uh, built out of a pure and unabiding hatred of overdrive. Uh, Brian Hamilton of Small Sound, Big Sound Effect found that um, overdrive pedals are, just didn't work for him and sounded bad to his ear. And so he whether intentionally or not set about creating one of his own. And it it is my favorite overdrive pedal I have ever used in my life. Um, it blew away the Klon KTR that I used to have. It, it, it supplanted, uh, the space reserved on my board for my first overdrive pedal, which was a, a, a full tone OCD. Um, the small sound, big sound pedal goes from like clean boost if you want it, but it still has its own, a uh, wonderful little little character to it. Uh, and then as you crank up the dial, it goes into like a good raucous overdrive all the way into fuzz. It goes into overblown territory. There's even wow. a switch on the pedal that emulates a blown tube. And so if you want your sound to just completely implode, it does that and it does it beautifully. Um, that pedal uh, I purchased directly from Brian um, with a requested uh, special graphic on the top. Now, you heard me spell the word uh, that the pedal is called. Yes. Uh, my pedal is the F-dash-dash-dash pedal. And the reason <laughs> is because I really wanted it to have Ralphie from A Christmas Story on the uh, front of it. Um, uh, so, so there's that scene in the movie where he says, I said it, the dreaded F-dash-dash-dash pedal. <laughs> so I custom ordered it with sparkly That's knobs. Awesome. And Ralphie with Lifebuoy soap in his mouth uh, wow. as the graphic. And it, it, it's still, I've had it since I think 2011 and it is, it has never left my board. It's always there. Will you send me a picture of that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Cause I'll actually need it for the, uh, for the four on the floor blog. Oh, heck yeah. I'll put yeah. that. I'll put that up there. Killer. Okay. Um, what's next? So what's next? Uh, I, man, there's so many pedals I want to say right now um i'm gonna have to go for the digitech whammy five i think really i have uh curiously been getting a lot of use out of that uh in the band that i'm in called fellow robot 
Um, the band started out as a soundtrack to a book that the singer is writing, and it spans 120 years of a robot's life through his creation, through the death of his creator, all these things. And as such, the music goes between a, a number of different genres. There's like folksy stuff, and then there's metal, and then there's this weird cacophonous punk rock stuff. So the whammy has been really helping me nail some very specific sounds. Like I don't own a baritone guitar. I hope to rectify that soon, but the whammy fourth down, uh, has enabled me live and in the studio to absolutely nail tic tac based sounds from spaghetti Westerns. Uh, that and a jazz master is pure heaven for me. And with a lap steel using the, the fourth and fifth setting to kind of go between some very ominous kind of, kind of like contemplative sounds, I, man, I love that pedal. Um, and I especially love the Whammy 5 for offering, um, what is it, yeah, uh, tracking options where you can get the original kind of glitchy sound or you can yeah. pack that off into polyphonic mode. Um, it, it's never failed me. It's a delight to use. Uh, and, oh, and I will say that the dive bomb setting gets a lot of use. Uh, there's one song that I'm using a 12 string on. And at the very end of the song, I turn on two fuzz pedals and a boost so that my amp becomes impossibly loud. And then I go straight into the dive bomb setting. So it's this thunder that just lays over the end of the song. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like they take that, right? My speakers can. Mine can. I buy, I buy those 100-watt crazy overblown uh, Celestians, and they seem to do fine. Uh, but I'm also using like a 412, so nice. I'm one of those weirdos. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Whammy 5, I, I got that on Craigslist from a guy who promised that he would hang out with me because I was new to LA and you know what? I never saw him again. So <laughs> I don't know. Weird, you and I don't want that you. That is a weird promise. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It, it was a weird thing to say to somebody over at your house for Craigslist, but I, I don't know. For some reason I took him at his word. It was like, okay, all right. Oh, I can't wait to hang out with you, sir. <laughs> never happened. Uh, but he gave it to me for like, I think 80 bucks. I paid oh, geez, for it. Yeah, uh, cool. It was in good shape. Still had the box. So whatever, can't complain. Yeah. Cool, man. Last one, number four. Oh, this is going to be super obvious to all of your listeners, I think, but I've got to give a shout to the Strymon Blue Sky. Um, I have two Strymon pedals on my board at all times. One's the Flint, one is the Blue Sky. And that's because I find that I really respond to different types of reverb. Um it's it's a kind of a kind of a tone tool for me getting a nice spring out of the blue sky is essential for the uh what well, with the song that i mentioned where i'm doing tic tac bass lines i want that spaghetti western kind of pad underneath it so the, mm-hmm. the the blue sky nails that the real reason that i bought it uh i think direct from strymon again uh, paid full price uh, was that was the only pedal at the time that i could find that did that a cavernous cigarose reverb oh, thing. Yeah. I've got a I've got a Les Paul studio that's set up just for Bo so that I can nail that sound when I want to. Oh, uh, wow. I'm a big fan of that band. Yeah. And I, I needed something that did the 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 moaning low reverb thing and, uh-huh. and that that thing does it in spades. That's a it's a saved setting for me. So I, I go between spring and I go be- between uh, Cigarose and uh, that pedal is amazing. I, I can't get enough of it. 
And it's different enough from the Flint that I don't feel like I'm uh, redundant at all in having right, both on right. board. So yeah, those those are my four. Well, 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 that is a solid board, my friend. Solid. So speaking of solid, uh, <laughs> your <What>? <laughs> your uh, Instagram game is solid, has been solid for quite some time, and that's where that's what uh, you know. That's where I found you. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for saying so. I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, a lot of people seem to like what you're doing. So we call that the prestige. Yes. We, we trick you into thinking that there's a plan. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of ta- we kind of talked about this at the very beginning, but um I I'd like to kind of, you know, just dip in a little bit to I know things have changed for you since kind of like as soon as you hit the apex of pushing uh, you, you things have changed a little bit as you were telling me. However, I would like to know from your perspective uh, as somebody who, you know, basically just blew up on the, on the old internet, the Instagram, your, your thing with offset and how that all came about and how you got so much attention for being like, if you have an offset guitar, you got to go to this guy. And if anybody knows offset guitars, it's got to be this guy because that's all he talks about is offset guitars. How did that all come about? So uh, I would say the the real beginning of all of that uh, is my birth. I was born at a young age in uh, York, <laughs> Pennsylvania. I was uh, raised by my family to to be a, a good little boy, um, but. Uh, throughout my childhood, I had a number of like learning problems that were never really diagnosed. One of them uh, was obsessive compulsive disorder, where I would I would focus on something and um, like with uh, you know I'm a big Star Trek fan, and so it wasn't just enough to watch the next generation on TV. I had to have the technical manual and I had to memorize the blueprints for the Enterprise D. Um, wow. and so that, that stuff didn't get diagnosed until much later in my life. And then it, it kind of clicked for me. I, when, when, when the phrase was said to me, I went, Oh, that explains a lot. Um, really it has to do with, uh, kind of an innate, uh, ability or a need for me to learn everything I possibly can about the things that interest me. Um, so, uh, that coupled with playing guitar uh, is a very interesting mix. Um, I mentioned earlier that I grew up on Gibson guitars and so like I went through the catalog and learned everything that there was to know about the studio, the standard, the custom, the black beauty, uh, the three pickup models, um, you know, uh, the, who created the humbucker pickup, uh, and why all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I came to the jazz master in 2010, um, I was kind of in a weird place musically where I, you know, I had played Gibson so long and I had played uh, certain styles of music for so long that I was kind of wondering what else was out there and um, how did I expand not only my skills as a player, but the basic sound that I had. Uh, and my good friend Mike Ball, who is the other Mike from the Guitar Bar, um, this is before we created the shop, but he had uh, this 2007 uh, Fender Thin Skin in Sonic Blue um, and for some reason, I really wanted a blue guitar. I never really liked blue guitars, but I, I don't know, I had my heart set on Sonic or Daphne, and this one was Sonic. And he said he would trade it 
uh, trade it and some money for my 69 SG that I had. Uh, and I said, okay, let's do this. I would have done uh, the same was, thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was a big, uh, big Nels Klein fan and I was like, all right, let's see what he's on. And within, oh man, I would say the space of a month, I had torn apart the guitar bit by bit to understand everything about it. And I, I do this as a luthier too. Like when I, when I was really repairing guitars and that was my lifestyle, if I had a question about something, I would just buy it and tear it apart. Um, that's always kind of the way I function. So I did that with the jazz master that is sitting right beside me right now. I still have it. It's called R2. Uh, it's the, one of the best new jazz masters I've ever played. It really, really started the whole thing for me. So I tore it apart, learned everything I could, um, consulted uh, Leo Fender's original design documents, the the, the patent applications. Uh, the, I actually have the patent application tattooed on my left arm. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I did a deep dive in understanding not only like what the intention was behind the guitar, uh, but the complaints as well. Because I was hearing from people who were saying, oh, you need to have a buzz stop or you need to uh, lock tight all your screws. You need to uh, you need to change the bridge because they're horrible to play. Um, and I thought, oh, that's weird. We call Leo Fender a genius, but this one guitar, we were like, oh, he got it wrong. And it didn't seem it didn't seem possible that Leo Fender would let something truly flawed out of the factory. And so the more I dug in, uh, the more I realized that the original intent of the guitar was really the jazz and jazz master. He was aiming directly at archtop players, and his aim was to make a solid body with the string geometry of an archtop. So when you look at an archtop from the side, the strings go from the tailpiece over a floating bridge, and then down at a steep angle mm -hmm. uh, on a neck that's that's uh, kind of coming off the body, pitched back. Yeah, it and almost so, looks more like a violin or something. Exactly, yeah. and that is, when you look at a properly set up jazz master, it's doing the same thing, and it, all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh, this is the whole thing. And so, yeah, tearing through uh, old design documents and, and finding, <laughs> finding all of this material that, that was, was, it seemed pretty obvious from the drawings on the patent. It seemed obvious from, you know, everything, all of the promotional material that came with the guitar, that that was the intention. In fact, some of it is explained in the owner's manual, but nobody reads those. I mean, it, so. was, it was called Jazz Master. Jazz Master. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of their flagship model at the time too, wasn't it? Exactly. They, they really thought it was going to revolutionize the game, especially with the two-tone circuits. But mm -hmm. no, it, they, the real problem with the Jazz Master, I've always said, is a lack of education. Like, mm -hmm. The messaging was so off. Uh, they, you know, the features were, were praised and, and they were uh, print bold on every brochure, but there was never like, <laughs> there's never like an emphasis put on maintenance really. And so when people started putting nine gauge strings on the guitars or people took the guitar apart to strip it brown, like they did in the seventies, they would <laughs> see those little card shims, the little fiberboard and they'd toss them because why would you need those mm -hmm. um and so the jazz master just totally fell out of favor same with the jaguar uh, although i would argue that they both found an audience in surf players and and the uh you know the avant-garde uh later on in the 70s but i i don't know i've always had a thing for underdogs i've always really uh related to them probably because i grew up a star trek fan and a nerd with red hair 
uh, and I was mercilessly bullied for my entire school career. So I see a guitar that's you know getting mistreated on the internet, and I say, "Hey, I got you. Got you. <laughs> Let's do this together." So that was that's a long-winded explanation for why anybody might know who I am is because I I oh my gosh. I expended every of of my limited resources on understanding these guitars. And I have been so fortunate to work for a bunch of my heroes or people that I think are really amazing cutting edge musicians. Um, so as a result of, uh, I don't know, being the guy willing to do the legwork. Uh, yeah, here I am. Interesting. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. It's really that weird how question. people fall into things, you know? Famously, you basically had uh, Rivers Cuomo. Tell, talk about that guitar for a little Oh, bit. so that's the other thing. <laughs> uh, in 1994, when the Blue Album came out, I up to that point, I was listening From to... From Weezer, mainly, just to clarify. Yeah, anybody yes. doesn't know that. He's, he's so I was mainly listening to punk rock, and which is great. I still love punk. There's... <laughs> Man, that's why I have a really hard right hand strumming pattern mm-hmm. as uh, my punk rock leanings. But when I heard the Blue Album, uh, they were these wonderful little pop gem songs that that were just heavy as heck. Um, I've, I don't think even since the uh, the album came out that I've heard uh, guitar tones that were so massive sounding like the world has turned still to this day oh, man. Yeah. to me. Just when I turn it on, I can feel that rumble in my chest. Like ah, what an amazing song. Well, and they're not accompanied by like the rest of the music doesn't sound like that. And that's kind of the, the, yeah. the, the success of that. It's, it's an amazing marriage of, of gigantic sounding guitars and acoustic and uh, synth, uh, Matt Sharp synth work on the, a lot of the B sides are, are the most thrilling moments for me of the entire uh, Weezer catalog. Mm. Um, but so I was a huge Weezer fan for whatever reason. I, I won't get into it, but you know, a lot of Weezer fans kind of fixate on those first two records, and and that's uh, a lot of what people seem to want. A lot of Weezer fans are like, I don't listen to anything past Green. Mm-hmm. Or I, I only like Blue Album or Pinkerton, and I, they're not the same band. And whether or not that's true, I, I honestly, I don't feel like getting into because that's a, that's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, those first two records and the B-sides that uh, come from the, the ill-fated songs from the Black Hole album that never came out, those are, those are my favorite songs I think I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when I met Mike Ball, who's the other Mike from the guitar shop, we bonded immediately over a mutual love of Weezer and Power Pop. And at some point, I would say in 2013, we had had the guitar shop for about a year. Shop's doing really well. All of a sudden, we have the money to, to buy really great gear. Um, and the more we listened to Weezer, uh, the more we realized that uh, Seattle was chock full of Weezer tribute acts. And so we went to see some of them and some of them were really good and some of them weren't. Uh, but the one thing we walked away with was the, the notion that none of them were actually nailing the tones, mm-hmm. uh, which was the most important part to us as guitar players. And so we, we kind of looked at each other one Wednesday night having a beer after the shop closed and we went, I wonder if we could do this. And so 
we again did deep dives uh, on Weezerpedia, the the Weezer uh, gear page, essentially uh, poured all over the records, poured over uh, you know weird, obscure concert shots from somebody's you know disposable camera in 1996, and tried to figure out what was really going on. Um, and so over the next year, uh, we replicated. Uh, their entire touring rig from between 94 and 98. Uh, we, <laughs> it's ridiculous. We not just like doing pitch perfect recreations of the guitars, but also the amp rigs. Like uh, Mike f- tracked down a mad amp bass head. Um, the GT 200, I think is the model on that. Uh, and that was thrilling. Uh, he bought himself a 1970s Ampeg 810. Uh, and then I had uh, a Marshall 1990 style uh, 810 cab with four 12 inch speakers uh, built for me uh, because I it, I figured that that was also part of it. And turns out, yeah, having big, stupidly <laughs> oversized cabinets <laughs> is really fun and sounds just like what you'd expect. Right. Um, Those so, yeah, and, 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 and then that's to say nothing of the guitars. Like I, man, I ordered the, just like Rivers did, I ordered a neck and a body from Warmoth and then uh, Seymour Duncan Trembucker in the bridge, uh, DeMarzio Super 2 in the neck. I even figured out how to, how to make my own version of the Black Ice, the onboard guitar distortion module that lives on your tone pot because he had one of those in there. Wow. Um, <laughs> I even uh, very obsessively uh, looked at the Say It Ain't So video and then the performance of Say It Ain't So on David Letterman in, I think, 95 to get the tape, the electrical tape design on his guitar, right? Um, uh, <laughs> we did the same thing to Matt Sharp. We we bought a Getty Lee jazz bass body, and I stripped just the arm wear area mm-hmm. uh, because Matt Sharp's bass has this very distinct, distinct sort of white around the outside of it. Uh, so I recreated that from photographs. We uh, had a friend print up the '96 sticker that lives on his pick guard. We got Monster Tone pickups. Got a Tele bass neck for it from Warmoth, and yeah. We, we went overboard. Wow. Um, and I will say for all of that work, the first practice we had, we all brought our gear and we plugged in and we played chords and it sounded like we were inside the record. It was, it was an That's amazing cool. experience. Uh, so yeah, that, that was a big deal. And such a big deal uh, that we sort of became friends with some some people in the Weezer camp. Like Matt Sharp taunted me for a good, I think, four months on Instagram, pointing out things that I missed about his bass. <laughs> uh, for instance, on the back, there are these four holes that run through the body. And that's from when he had two Jerry Jones lipstick pickups in the bass. Uh, it was his earliest version of that bass. And he's like, you forgot the holes. TV so Jones? I said, okay, what's that? TV Jones? Mm-mm, Jerry Jones, the, uh, you know, the, the upmarket Dan Electro style uh, guitars from the 90s. Uh, best example I can think of them is Nels Klein has this Dan Electro double neck. One's a, one neck is a baritone and one neck is a 12 string. Okay. And that's Weird. a Jerry Jones. Interesting. Uh, Never heard of Jerry yeah. Jones. That's cool. Oh. If you ever want a Dan Electro style guitar like that, I always recommend them. They're going up in price now because he's stopped making them, but they're incredible instruments. Um, okay, cool. Totally worth your time. But yeah, Matt Sharp had two lipsticks in his bass mounted from the back, just like lipsticks are. 
uh, on those guitars. And uh, so I got a drill out and drilled holes. Because <laughs> wow. if Matt says that I missed something, <laughs> then I'm, I'm going to fix that. That's um, fun. And when he, he came through Seattle with the rentals um, uh, a short time after we started playing shows, and he invited us to come. And he spent an hour and a half with us after the show comparing our bass to his that he still uses uh, and pointing out things like, holy crap, you got this right. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you saw that. Um, his bass had had a repair uh, since you know the Blue Album. And he was like, oh, I didn't remember that this happened, but now I do because I see the original beside it. Um, Where? In fact, when he played with the rentals, he played the bass that I built instead of his. And he held them both up for the audience to see and talked about how creepy we were and how, how he thought that we were sleeping in his front lawn because there's no way that somebody would get all these details right just from photos. Um, and it, it was uh, honestly, that's one of the best things that, that's ever happened to me. Uh, because that's awesome. Guitar. I'm so thankful for that. Fantastic, so, man. What, that's yeah. a great story. I, I love those little weird connections that you, that you, you know you get to have. Uh, Wild. Now you mentioned uh, uh, the Mike and Mike's g- guitar bar, and the yeah. and I know that you're no longer associated with that, right? That is correct. Um, I well, I moved to California in 2015, uh-huh. and it, pretty quickly it became clear that it just it, it didn't make sense for me to hold on to part of the company when right. I can't be there. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the neat things about that is, you know, we reference all the time on the show the, well, Jared likes to say, you know, the old mom and pop shops, you know, uh, <laughs> like, like he was born in the fifties or something. Uh, <clears throat> but it, it, is that how someone from the fifties? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> the old mom and pop shops. Well, that's shop. how Jared always talks actually. So. <laughs> well, look at what the cat yeah. done, druggie. Yeah, exactly. You sure you want to get that thing there tuned up? Um, was this the 1850s? That I, we're it talking? might have been. <laughs> Must I'm not be. sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's right next to the livery, uh, <laughs> the blacksmith <laughs> shop. Yeah. Uh, but the point being, there is that you know, there's you know some of the bigger box stuff, or just the giant stores that kind of squashed all the little stores for a long time, mm-hmm. and it, it it seemed to me that at least from my guitar world view at the time when I started kind of catching on to what you were doing, we were discussing that and it just seemed, it seems it feels like it's so ripe right now for some, for like these little shops to actually happen. And lo and behold, Absolutely. uh, that I saw that through your Instagram and with the Mike and Mike guitar bar. And I was, that was one of the first like real instances of something that felt like that there was a rebirth of the little shop right mm-hmm. but it wasn't the the little shop in the in the in the sense that the old way was which was uh, the little shop basically just had a lot of music stuff there weren't guitar little guitar shops as much as there were little music shops right mm-hmm. sure yeah exactly that's the way it was in my hometown there wasn't a proper guitar store usually it was like a mom and pop sort of band instrument shop that also yeah. sort of had guitars. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. The exactly. Way so yeah. with the huge boom in boutique builders and pedals and, you know, boutique amps and everything, it just, it seemed right for that to happen. And then, you know, 
Yeah, we uh, we ran a guitar shop, like vintage instruments, high dollar stuff, out of Mike's garage for three and a half years. Uh-huh. That's crazy. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Um, and we couldn't have done that had the internet not been a thing. Um, really, the, the only reason we have success is because we were really able to have a voice thanks to the internet, thanks to having our own website, thanks to Reverb.com and eBay and those kind and of Instagram. things. It's frustrating. Yeah, and Instagram, huge part of it. In fact, the, the only reason that I'm on Instagram was because the shop needed an Instagram. I already had one, so I just said, oh, I'll post what I'm working on every day. So and weird. That's, yeah, it's weird that that happens. For, for a while, I was the only contact the shop had to Instagram and then eventually I convinced everybody I was like hey can I I don't want to sell on my page can we make right. a shop Instagram and it, uh, weirdly it took some convincing but eventually I said I'm not posting anything until we do this yeah because um, I was like I want to post pictures of my dog and I feel like I can't do that <laughs> right now. So you, so you can um, just walk into a garage and buy a you know 58 gold guard jazz master <laughs> you absolutely could That's uh, so cool. hanging on the wall above the uh, mid-century modern couch it, uh, it's kind of like a destination board. shop really i mean right you, like really like was. like chicago music was like you got to go there we were we were the antithesis to that place i yeah. love chicago music Exchange. i hope i can go someday but we we had uh by the time i left we had i think 85 instruments crammed in 600 square feet wow, wow. That's, was that's insane unbelievable Really well, you cool. walk in there, like you ever walk into a guitar shop and you're afraid you're going to tip something over. That was every day for me. That was my life. <laughs> um, you're selling high dollar <laughs> stuff like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily it, it always worked out. We never had an accident. Um, even uh, there was one time that a gigantic dog, uh, like a St. Bernard came in and we were all very worried, but <laughs> you know, he was the, the most gentle St. Bernard in the world. And, didn't tip anything over. Well, and, yeah, that, and that's, that's, that's still going, did. right? That's that shop, right? The shop is still going, but thankfully it is no longer in a basement. It is uh, actually a real shop now. Uh, shortly before I left, uh, the shop got into talks with a local realtor for a, a space down in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle. Mm-hmm. And so we've got, we've got this amazing space that's been built out. Um, uh, Mike and Ben and, and our buddy Jake, who you know is Verbageddon on Instagram, uh, all of them worked so hard to build this this office space into something that honestly is truly beautiful. I cannot believe that I helped make that happen. Um, it's this wonderful space with beautiful light fixtures. The wallpaper on the walls uh, is actually made from uh, old player piano rolls. Um, wow. Yeah, it's an amazing space. And and the gear is still so good. The stuff that they get, like, oh, I'm so jealous I don't get to touch it anymore, living states away. So yeah, amazing shop. I'm I'm so proud. So proud of what we were able to build together. So really cool. Shop. Yeah. Uh last thing that we'll hit on uh right now is I, I gotta know pancake. Pancake. Yeah. The guitar that's more famous than I'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> what? where'd you get it? what's what's up with the name pancake so the story i say the story of how it got its name actually comes from uh designer paul frank uh who i, I think familiar. a lot of guitar people to... follow these days well the 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 original paul frank with the monkey face it was actually i, I 
exactly. met him a long, long time ago. He lived down by where I grew up. Yeah. Yeah. That's the guy. He's, he's the best. Julius is a, a world famous monkey, uh, mm-hmm. who lives on lunchboxes and t-shirts and, and every sort of thing. Pajamas are big for, for Julius. And Paul is the guy who created him in the 90s. Uh, Paul, turns out, is one of the nicest, most humble people I have ever met. Uh, it's crazy. It's just crazy to think that, I, that I've met him. Uh, but he found me on Instagram uh, in 2015, I think right before we moved to California. And he said, oh, you're coming to California. I would like to make a strap for you. Um, what? Uh, and so uh, he's, yeah, he's sent me an email and said, uh, what's your favorite word? I'll put it on the strap. And I thought for like a whole week and I could not come up with my favorite word. But ever since the kid, uh, the word pancake is something that I can say and not help but smile. It's, it's the this best. weird <laughs> kind of visceral reaction i don't know pancake it's you the best part of the weekend so I wrote it back i'm, I'm thinking him. about a buttery exactly. rich yummy syrup soaked <laughs> pancake right now isn't that so Blueberries. good isn't yes. it just a comforting image to have in your head it's oh, wonderful like that. love pancakes um, so it's all yeah. based on that it's all based on that i sent him an email and said i don't know pancake and then like two weeks later <laughs> a <scratch laughs> showed up in the mail and that's i was like so okay cool. i guess that's what this is um at the time time that I got it, I was back in Seattle shortly doing a run of uh, Godspell in a theater called Taproot. Uh, I was one of the onstage musicians. And uh, that strap came in, I put it on the guitar, and then the, there was a, a girl who was one of our stage managers, and she was responsible for bringing the guitar to me at certain points of the night. And she just started going like, hey, here's Pancake, here's Pancake. And I went, that's not what... <laughs> that's great. <laughs> no, that is what it's called. Thank you. That's what that guitar is called now. So That's fantastic. Yeah. Scrumptious. Yeah, that guitar is something else. Oh, outstanding. Mm. Well, man, I really appreciate you sharing yeah. your story with us. I know that there's way more to it. Um, and you know what? We'll just have to have you back on and we'll talk about other things. Anytime. Um, I, I'll t- I promise I'll write a better song. No, are you kidding me? That's the best. That's, 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 that's fantastic. That was awesome. Yes. yes. Uh, now, Jared. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Would You Rather. Oh, I've heard about this. I'm, I'm shaking in my boots. That's correct. <laughs> this week's Would You Rather is brought to us by... One of our friends and listeners of the podcast, Corey MacArthur. And uh, his Would You Rather is pretty cool. If you could only be one of these things, would you rather be the best soloist or would you rather be the best rhythm guitar player of all time? It's either one or the other. What would you rather be? Oh, it's super easy for me to answer. I'd be the best rhythm guitarist of all time, hands down, no question. Huh. Malcolm Young, that's all I want to be. Yeah, 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 I can see that. <laughs> Absolutely. I, for some reason, that the same thought, Malcolm Young, entered my brain. Interesting. He's, I think he's the best ever, best that ever lived. Yeah, and he played that, what was it, a Rickenbacker or something like that? Uh, Gretsch. Gretsch. Oh, Gretsch, that's yeah, right. The pickups all busted out. How about you there, <laughs> Lynn Bob Ironi over here? I think I'd actually have to go with the solo just because I rarely ever play in a band sort of context. So when I'm playing, I'm usually just playing by myself and noodling, <laughs> noodling, yeah. right? So I'm a, I'm a noodler. Sense. So yeah, I'd have to go with the solo. Interesting. Jared. 
This is tough because I appreciate a very good both of these. Mm. Uh, when you're by yourself, you always need some sort of rhythm. Gosh, I don't know. I'm going to go rhythm. What the heck? Heck yeah. Yeah. Team rhythm. Right. <laughs> oh, this is indeed hard because uh, that's all I can really play. I can't play a lead to save my life. I mean, I really can't. I I just, whatever. No. I can't. I can't. I'm very bad with math, and I can't play lead guitar well at all. I, there's, oh. I can bust out a couple licks here I and there. I can teach you. I, I, I would appreciate <laughs> it. That said, having spent all my life basically as a rhythm player, given the opportunity, I think I might actually like to try the other side of the tracks yes. for a little bit. So yeah. I'm going to go with best. I'm going to go with solo. I, I don't play any music that actually has solos. So <laughs> I would want to at least see what that's like for a little while. It's the art awesome. of noodling. Yeah. But not, oh. you know, not insane. The kind of like, okay, we get it. You know how to solo <laughs> dream theater. Mm. Let me show you another sweep. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was making that exact noise with my mouth the entire time. <laughs> 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 Check yeah. out this pedal. <laughs> to, to be clear, I wouldn't be talking about that. But what I would go for is one of my all time favorites. Billy Corgan can tear a hole in a roof with his lead program. But he's not like, oh, he's the lead guitarist. Like, it's a different kind of thing. If I could make my fingers do that, oh, baby. It makes it extra special when he does it. In like a tasteful manner. It's not just showing off. So give me some of that skills. That's an interesting trait that seems to be shared by all of my favorite soloists. Uh, is that they they can totally shred, but they don't often. Like Billy Corgan's leads are melodic and really incredible. Like just great tones and weird, uh, you know, moments where he's sliding up the neck or getting crazy weird harmonics feet, but I, and but, dynamics. But and I stuff. don't know if I've ever thought of it as shredding before. No. But I know that he can. No, he absolutely can. Yeah. So, hmm. I think that's what I'd have to do. You know, I have one more thought to add about my rhythm answer. And uh, that is all I will say about it is that rhythm is what gets people moving. For sure. And that, that is super important to me. That's, that's the connection with the audience. Solos are amazing and they're, they're great to wow people. And I don't know, if you can sing a solo, I think it's 100% guaranteed to be a great one. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't know. I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather just stand to the side of the stage, rock out, bob my head. Yeah, I can dig that. Can I mean, that, that's that's what I've relocated myself to do. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and God bless you for doing it. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing like a just a great rhythm player. Yes, sir. Uh, so, really quick, we're gonna thank a few people, and then we're gonna get some outros going. Uh, this point in time, we don't have Tony with us, so this is going to be a lot faster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we have a Patreon program, and you can go check us out at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs at which point you can choose to help support our show we put a lot of work into it because we love it we would do it whether we were getting a single dime or not but every one of those single dimes going goes to helping the show out to literally keeping the lights on in the studio that we're paying for um and equipment and all kinds of that stuff 
Your help is greatly appreciated. And we've got a couple entry points, $1, $5, $10, and you know you can go on from there. Uh, and it, with each one of those, you get a nice little reward package. And the, obviously the rewards get better the more uh, you're willing to support the show. We have some that we have deemed our executive producers at the $10 level. So, uh, Jared, what happens with the executive producers? Well, you get to have your name right on the thing. All right. And that's what Zach's going to do right now. All right. So the two new ones are Michael Senchuk and Michael McVeigh. Hey, All welcome, right. guys. Welcome. Thank you guys Thank you. so, so very much. And so we have Tom Barazin, Martin Cliff, David Wolfson, Matt Brammer, Carlos Mancha, Pete Marshall, Robin Smith, John Dolly, Oliver Gonzalez, Sean S. Big extra thanks to Sean S. Uh, for some great emails he sent this week. Uh, Chris Kearney, John Anglin, Robert Marfleet, Darren Gregory, Doug Christ, Michael Van Zant, Brad Partridge, Doug Gunn, Corey Nigro, Ken Sayers, Jonathan Jerusik, Brian Robinson. Oh, that's it. Brian Robinson. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so very much for your help. Uh, regardless what level you are supporting, it, it means so much to us. And um, we hope you go check it out. If you're not currently a patron, uh, please give it a give it a thought. As we're starting a new year, you're going to get a whole lot of new podcasts yep. coming at you. And there's a lot of good past information you can learn, too. Yes, sir. Uh, so let's see. Mike, where can people find you these days? People can find me on Instagram at P-U-I-S-H-E-E-N. Pusheen! <laughs> Sound of a cartoon sword. Don't forget that. Uh, you can also find uh, my writing in the pages of Guitar Magazine, uh, Premier Guitar Once in a While, and uh, mainly the Fretboard Journal. I've been doing a lot of writing, and uh, that's been fun. Right so on. There, I oh, guess. Man. Right me. on. Please. Zach, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube at my name, Zach Oswald. All right. J-Rod. Um, if anybody out there is looking for some new pickups or new pickups that look old to match your old relic guitar, uh, visit me, Jared, at Brandon Wild Pickups. Uh, throw me an email and uh, BrandonWildPickups.com. And I'm on Instagram and all that business. That's right. And Tony Baloney, who's not with us, also his real name is Tony Dudzik. <laughs> he is the pick guardian. And if you need a new pick guard done, man, oh man, this guy is the business. He's the man. He's the man. He's, He's the good. man that a lot of these uh, guitar companies that we're referencing go directly to, actually. The biggies. Yes, the big ones. Uh, all right. As for me, you can send a note my way via in, uh, direct message on Instagram or sh shoot me an email, Todd at the guitarnobs.com. And please, people, send us your would you rathers. We'll read them just like we did today. Yep. It'll be great. We'd love to hear yours. All right, everybody. It has been great. Mike, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Uh, we love having a new friend of the podcast, and we look forward to, um, to meeting you again on these microphones sometime soon. Thanks for having me. It has been fun. Uh, for everybody else, have a great guitar week and subscribe! Yeah. All right, baby. I like you. Oh, do you guys, you guys actually oh, edit? Oh, I edit this. Yeah, are you kidding oh me? Oh, my God. <laughs>
Give me one more. Don't remember the <laughs> name again. Here we go. Who is this MacArthur character? Ah, uh, lost my train of thought. Uh, that sounds. never happens to me. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs. Catch you next time.